This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are listening to Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. Hello, hello. Is this episode number 66? I think it might be. 66. I went to Dairy Queen this week, and my total at the window was $6.66. But the question is, can you recall what you actually ordered? Yes. And what was that? I had a double cheeseburger, a single fry, three tartar sauces. Why three? For my fries, man. He was getting tarted. And for my burger, if I felt like it. The best thing at Dairy Queen, absolutely, just like hands down, is the fries and dipping them in your blizzard. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. The best thing at Dairy Queen. Always been the best. Dairy Queen does not sponsor the Metal Shop (laughs) Backstage Pass podcast. No, but they should. But they should. Let me get a dilly bar. Anyway, you guys had a good week so far. I I noticed that the rain is back. The rain is back. It looks like summer's about over. Uh, Yeah, I had a pretty good week. Pain in the grass was last Sunday. Uh, We got to interview Lame of God. Uh, I did a couple interviews for Loud and Local. And uh, it was cool, man. It was freaking crazy. Sold out. Uh, fucking insane going out and seeing the entire uh, metal shop, metal tribe, hanging out, watch, about to watch Lamb of God. Sold out, painting the grass. It was, it was fucking wild. It was an event. And yeah. Motley Zoo was there. Motley the, Zoo was the there. I did not get to kitties. pet any animals. What was your animal petting experience like? I played with the kitties. They named them all after uh, the bands. Cool. That's kind of awesome. Like, num- one of them was named, like, Bullet. One of them was named Dead Man. <laughs> nice. One of them was named, uh, I think they just named it Lamb. Nice. And then, I don't know, I can't remember what the other ones were. So on and so forth. It was the There was one in, called Not. It was the, yeah, Pain in the Grass Litter 2015. That's cool. They're all brothers and sisters. Awesome. It uh, was cool. And apparently uh, they raised, I think, upwards of $30,000 for the Pearl Jam Vitology Fund. Nice. Whoa. Which is pretty cool, sweet. Man. Apparently, yeah, because it was like $2 from every ticket, you know, was donated. So that's... We did something good for the community. Did we do an introduction? I think we may have skipped over the introduction. What do you mean? Well, your name is Ian. My name is Kevin. Yeah, but I got figure, Ryan the Beard. Yeah, uh, fair enough. If we're 66 episodes in, you they, should probably know who the f*** we are. They probably know. Yeah, well, now you definitely double know. How about you, man? What was your week like? Um, I did a lot. I've been playing w- some music with a new couple of new people, and on Wednesday I went to practice in Tacoma, and then I went to go try and see Shy Halud at Studio 7. Yeah. Hmm. But they started the show at Studio 7 at 5 p.m. Are you serious? The show started at 5 p.m. I got to the venue before 9 o'clock, and the bands had already packed up and left. Before 9? Yeah. The F... And uh, there was a rave that they were doing after. Oh, that's right. So Apparently that's only like 12 people showed up to the show. Yeah, it was really disappointing. I walked in and I bought a tank top. Yeah? Just a in rave t- tank top? No, a Shai Halud <laughs> tank top. Just in time for it to start raining, of course. Yeah. Yeah, so that was fun. Uh, I met up with a listener of Metal Shop. His name is Nikki. He runs a 502 collective on Whidbey Island. Okay. Called Bud Brothers. 
and he hooked me up with some some awesome stuff this week. So thanks to him. Shout out to them. Whidbey Island, huh? It's nice. Uh, it's all about who you know in that community. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You never know. You just got to be nice to people, and then you'll you, sometimes they'll just be like, "Oh, by the way, I own the such and such warehouse grow operation." It's like, "Oh, cool. Nice to have met you. <laughs> I'm gonna keep your phone number." I think the coolest 502 shop that I've been in so far was Uncle Ike's. That short that store is really cool. Where is that? It's in the Central District. Oh, okay. Uh, it's huge. I mean, it's one of those places that also has like glass, so they have all kinds of bongs and whatnot. But it's just super welcoming and cool and chill, and it's a good vibe. It's not it makes it feel normal. Yeah, totally. And that's awesome. It's always busy as f- too. Things are a changing, and it's just wild. Like uh, Shai Hulud, I actually speaking of Shai Hulud, they tweeted out a picture this week of yeah, I saw the picture of uh, them with a bunch of pot, and it was like, hey, hashtag we're hashtag edge break, edge yeah, watch. edge break, <laughs> edge break, because I'm assuming they went straight right over to where Max works. Yeah, probably the Seattle Cannabis Collective. Yeah, right around the corner from Studio Seven. I like going there. It's it's kind of fun walking in and having Max do the whole Jimmy Fallon thing. Just like, oh, whoa, hey, you're here. All right, all right, whoa. Yeah, and then I'm like, calm down, Max. <laughs> calm down. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, dude knows his stuff, man. It's Well, good, he should. It's, it's cool. Isn't he a manager over there now or something? Uh, I, I think I so. I think so. Funny the way the world works. Brian, what was your week like, man? Yeah, it was kind of cool. I, um... Did a little bit of audio work for a for a friend of mine, uh, my buddy Adam, who owns uh, this production company called Bootstrapper Productions. Very cool um, video company. They they do a lot of the sporting events around town. And um, he was doing a side project this week for this um, this video game company, and they're called Hairbrain Schemes, and they're really famous for all the battle mech stuff. And uh, they do a lot of tabletop figurine based games and. Um, they're getting ready to uh, do a new Kickstarter for this game called Battle Tech, and they have the original, the guy who originally invented Battle Mech, which was a huge thing back in the day, uh, has control of the licensing again, so he's making a new battle. Is like, Battle Mech the one that you'd be able to go and sit down in a console? Yeah. And play with a bunch of people, like you, uh, you'd go to like a specific like gaming store, <clears throat> and then well, they'd have all the like. Machine setup that you can go sit in and actually control them. Yeah, all. yeah, and you could pilot these giant mech suits. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, I that's always wanted to do that. Yeah, it's Damn. their freaking office yeah. is bad ass. I bet it's just probably just a bunch of nerdy ass video game. Oh yeah, lovers. It's, it's great, and the, their snack collection alone is just insane. Oh, God, it looks I don't like even they. Know. It's it's so, awesome. So what are yeah. they funding? I want to uh, know because I want to get bringing, in. On. They're bringing the whole uh, battle mech deal um, to the PC. Okay, which is kind of awesome, and uh, it's it's the storyline's pretty cool. It's uh, it's basically you're a mercenary in this giant tech warrior suit in the future, and you're going around um, basically fighting other giant robots. It, it looks pretty sweet, right. and uh, these guys kill it at Kickstarter. I was talking to uh, one of the guys who owns the company. He was saying that um, the last Kickstarter they did raised about two million dollars. By the end of it, and this one that they're doing now. Uh, is projected to earn uh, 2.5 to 3 million at the end of the first day. So how are the, when, how long is it going to take for them to get picked up by some big studio? Or are well, they trying not they, to? They're, they're trying not to. They're keeping uh, it independent. For so now. they're uh, they're self funding the first um, installment of the game, and basically depending on how much money they make off the Kickstarter, there's other side branches of the game that they'd like to do. And if they get all the money that they're looking for, um, it's going to be this huge online thing that you can do where you can actually fight other people in real time in these giant robots. Right. Suits. So it's basically allowing these super nerdy people to take this sh- back to their house yeah. and like dedicate a room of their house to create their own like console. 
yeah. and just never have to leave the house. Yep. Like Cartman in the World of Warcraft it's, episode. It's gonna. It's just pretty cool, in a man. bedpan. You know, not not necessarily something that I'm too into, but you know, it's, it's kind of neat to. It's always nice to be around people who are really passionate about whatever artistic thing that right. they're into. You know, that's cool. Uh, did either of you guys go to PAX at all? Yeah, I went to PAX today for a little while. Speaking of nerdy things. Did you get to see anything cool? Uh, yeah, the Street Fighter V display was blowing my mind. I, I was not able to get... I was only there for an hour, and I stood in line for about 20 minutes and was like, man, I want to go see the rest of this Just shit. walk so, around. Yeah. I did not uh, get to play Street Fighter V, but the new... There was a really sweet Doom. Yeah, I want to play that. Yeah. The new Doom. There's a new Star Fox coming out soon. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront... Uh, Two is coming out. That looks good. I'm all over that. When that comes yeah. out, I, I'm out. I'm out of life for at least two weeks. Dropping out for a little bit. Yeah. So sorry. See you on the other side. Might have to miss an episode of Metal Shop or Five. <laughs> Ian's gaming. <laughs> Where's Ian? I don't know, man. Somebody should probably go check on him. We check on Xbox Live. You're logged in. I'm, I'm, okay, he's good. <laughs> <laughs> he's alive. Yeah. I think. <laughs> I hope. Send somebody over to feed the cat. Yes. It just smells like weed and Doritos chips. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much just how it always smells, though. Nice. As long as it doesn't smell like dead rotting corpses. Anyway. Or meth. Let's talk about some news. Speaking of dead rotting corpses and meth, Danzig is putting wow. out a new, Wow. Uh, putting out really? a new single next week. I don't know. I was just reaching for something. Danzig's <laughs> got a new song uh, coming out next week called Devil's Angels. Um, it's come. There are new records coming out, or I guess the singles coming out on the fourth, and the new records coming out later in September. So why are they doing a news story saying next week? We're why don't you just release it? Shut up, Danzig. Danzig's also going to be on an episode of Portlandia. Um, nice, and that'll be interesting because it's obviously going to kind of be a mockery of him <clears> because <throat> he's like shirtless, and they they're. Stars of the show are They're dressed all up all gothic-like. Out, yeah. So, we'll see. Maybe Danzig has a sense of humor and doesn't take himself too seriously. Ha! <laughs> no, he'll choke out another couple cameramen. I know, he'll watch it and be like, wait a second, that was supposed to be parody? That's bullshit. <laughs> I am not a parody. I'm f***ing Glenn Danzig. What's the deal with this Veil of Maya story here? Dude, it's f***ing dumb. They made a stupid video about how one of their guitarists is supposedly a robot. Ooh, you're a robot. Yeah, because the title is A Shocking Announcement from Veil of Maya. It's not shocking. So shocking. Uh, Their guitar player, Mark Okubo. I've, dra- I've drank shots with that guy before. Really? Yeah. Robots don't drink booze, man. Yeah. And he was taking us some other weird drugs, too, so unless that's robot fuel... What drug? Uh, I'm not going to say. <laughs> <laughs> not the normal kind. Oh. Whatever that means. Peyote? Sweet. Somewhere in there. Cool, man. <laughs> Expanded your mind with Veil of Maya. Expand your hairline with Vinnie Paul's bandana. Yikes. Uh, Vinnie Paul has denied entry to New Zealand bar because he refused to remove his signature. Vinnie Paul. Hey, man. I ain't taking off my bandana. Bandana. And uh, that is the aging rock star thing, you know? It's like the Bret Michael. Like, I didn't get the ready. Paul, the X-Pac from wrestling. I didn't just for in my hair today. They just, and the Hulk Hogan. They just, they rock a bandana to cover up their hairline. And, you know, I mean, if that's the image you need to portray, then you need the bandana. It's a crucial bandana. What's the deal, though? Like, <laughs> do, do they have some kind of, like gang problem in that neighborhood of New Zealand where it's like, you need to take off the bandana, bro. 
He's like, I'm fucking Vinnie Paul. Can I just wear my bandana? I mean, I understand that, like, seriously, why can't I just wear my fucking bandana? And then it becomes, like, not about the bandana. It becomes about some fucking bouncer being a dick. And then Vinnie Paul's got his rock star attitude, so it's just... I'm surprised it didn't end up worse than it did. The owner of the rock pool also did not comment the rock on pool. the Vinnie Paul incident, but said that people with visible facial or neck tattoos were also not welcome at his bar. What? Quote, unquote, not everyone is automatically excluded, but we don't want that profile of person here. We don't like your kind here. Nah. Just get the fuck out. We don't like your money. That's super weird. Yeah, because, you know, we would have just bought out, like, the whole bar. <laughs> you run a pool hall. <clears throat> Who the f*** do you think you're going to attract? <laughs> it's a pool hall. So, I don't know how this was accomplished, but this last Wednesday, in 100-degree heat, at the Sybil Brand Institute, which is a women's prison in East L.A. Orange is the new black. Slayer shot the music video for their new replen Repentless song, the title track off their new record. Awesome. So over eight hours, they had prisoners stage a riot somewhere north of 12 takes, 12 riots, <clears throat> and apparently a bunch of uh, actors and popular actors and crew members, uh, Derek Mears from Predators, Tyler Maine from Halloween, Jason Trost from Hatchet, Danny Trejo, we all know from Machete from Dusk Till Dawn, Tony Moran, Sean Whalen. Vernon Wells, a bunch of people that you don't probably won't recognize the names of, but when you see them, you're going to go, oh, that guy. Yeah, hmm. Prison Riot from Slayer. Oh, shit. At yeah. a real prison. And it looks like he was uh, directed by one of the cameramen from uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, and The Interview. So, oh. huh. So it'll probably look cool. Sweet. Um, So this is kind of a, a messed up bit of news. Um, Napalm Death. An uh, example of the internet. Yeah, Napalm Festival uh, in England has been canceled. Um. One of the promoters says some really not okay things. So basically the story was uh, this girl, uh, Sophie Lancaster, um, who was kind of a gothic teenager, uh, was kicked to death um, for defending her boyfriend from basically a couple of thugs. And uh, the genius over at Napalm Festival decided that it'd be a cool thing to make fun of her online. Right, because this happened also in the same country where the festival's happening. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> not that far away. Yeah, so uh, as a result, um, there's been a huge backlash, and uh, the festival's been shut down. So it's kind of a bummer when a metal fest gets shut down, but at the same time, if you're a turd of a human being, you know, enough to make fun of somebody for Right, well, like here's that. what he said. Quote, I want to f*** the cracks in her skull. Jesus. <clears throat> because it was a bunch of people kind of talking sh about this girl, because that's what they do on the internet. So, yeah, people being like, ooh, I want to shag her. Oh, I like I'm old and moldy. And this guy's like, I want to f*** the cracks in her skull. He just, like, jumped in with that. And this guy's, like, the promoter of the fest. So literally every band was like, nah. Every band dropped off. They didn't cancel the fest. The fest canceled itself on this guy. Well, good on the bands. Cracks. What a douchebag. Cracks in your skull. Uh, speaking of cracks in your skull, potentially... Caused by sketchy, Mostly just infected crack. tattoos. Gross. Crusty punk porn is a thing. Crust punk porn, crust punks are dirty, you know, with dogs and they're into like crass and crust. And not taking showers. And, you know. Like, I don't want to see your genitals, let alone, s I could probably smell them from across the room if you took your pants off. I don't know. I. What the f like, Fringe f***ers is what it's called, <laughs> and it's uh, Byron Myers and Ashley Alms. They have ratty dreads and street dogs, and uh, you can check it out. There's uh, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like Gigi Allen doing like full on hardcore pornography. And yeah, that sucks. I'm not into it. Nope. Bummer. Over it. So Smelly. Uh, a fan on Twitter recently asked Dave Mustaine if he'd ever rejoin Metallica, and for some reason, after this thousandth time he's asked, been asked that, he responded, quote, I would be honored, but I would not. He goes on to say, if James or Lars asked you to help collaborate or record a song together, would you do it? Nice try. No. No. F- no. Uh, I don't believe that, and the Metal Sucks people said they don't believe it either. <laughs> I yeah, he'd do it in a heartbeat. They're like, yeah, okay, bud. We know. What'd they call it? Metallicash? <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get in on that Metallicash? Gene Simmons, another, like, kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, out of his mind guy in the scene of rock and roll. You know, he's uh, he's always got something to say. Gene Simmons now is claiming that uh, he's, Lamb of God is a great band, but his the vocals just, no. Nah. He says it's a werewolf trying to sing. It's not his thing. <laughs> he says, I'm not claiming I can sing, mind you. Yeah, no kidding. Personally, I'd be curious what this fine backing track would sound like with a decent melody with Dave Grohl on vocals. Hmm. <sighs> I wow. think Gene Simmons just kind of doesn't get it anymore. He also says about Kendrick Lamar. But in all honesty, I'm not the most qualified person to comment on rap. It has always struck me as an oddity and a curiosity. I'm... An oddity. Respectful of its cultural origins, but it doesn't speak to me. Wild thing by the Trogs? You gotta fight for your right to party you by the Beastie Boys? Now that's my kind of rap. <sighs> Wild thing by, by the, the Trogs. Trogs. That's rap. That's huh? so fucking gangster. Here's the other thing this last <laughs> week. Uh, Gene Simmons' house was just searched by a Crimes Against Children Police Task Force. Creepy. They got Jared, now they're coming for you, Gene. Um, what happens is that authorities say that they searched the home last week, uh, but they, he, neither he nor his family are considered suspects. Uh, they searched the home and explained that the, the Simmons family was extremely cooperative. A, a representative from the family released a statement saying that the police visited the home to discuss, quote, a crime that may have occurred on their property last year while Simmons was away on tour with Kiss. Hmm. So somebody's touching little babies in your house. I wonder if that's a connection to Kiss recently doing Kiss meets Scooby-Doo and putting it out on a movie. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a thing. Anyway, too. Gene Simmons is kind of like surrounded by weird shit yeah. these days. Uh, uh, huge, yeah. Huge metal news. Century Media Records sold to Sony this week uh, for $17 million. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Century Media It's also another Century and uh, what's the other labels they have? Uh, Inside Out Music. Inside Out in Super Bowl, and it was $17 million for Century Media. Century Media is a pretty huge independent label with many, many, many back uh, catalog things that are just legendary albums. And honestly, $17 million for a once huge major player in metal, and still somewhat huge, yeah, still is not that much. I mean, $17 million, It's that's kind of ridiculous well, sounding. Well, think about 30 years ago, some, some of those records would sell a million or two million records just one record by one band and they had how many bands it's just indicative of how much the record industry is quote worth these days it's crazy my only you know my only question is how is it going to change is and is anything going to change at all so uh speaking of record industry stuff uh decapitated is currently in the middle of a legal dispute with earache records Uh so basically the deal is they're currently signed a nuclear blast but their entire back catalog is owned by earache records and so that's where the dispute is is taking place. Um, 
the uh, the boat the band commented decapitated advertises or <laughs> the band commented decapitated advises that they have resolved to take long overdue action to readdress various legal copyright and financial disputes with their former record label Eric Records. Oh, crap. In response, Eric has removed from streaming sites the band's entire catalog of music released by Eric. Really? Although it is not their doing, Decapitated apologizes to their fans for any disappointment and any inconvenience and hopes that matters can be resolved as soon as possible. So it's their first four records. Yep. We will keep you informed as to developments and thank you sincerely for your continuing loyalty, support, and goodwill. So yeah, basically their first four records, which are the ones that people... Which got them to where they are. Yeah, it's the records obviously. that people want to listen to by that band. Um, so, I mean, yeah, that's... Blood Mantra was pretty good, but, you know. Mm. I'm trying to hear some Spheres of Madness, motherfucker. <laughs> Not happening. Dude, when's a creation, man? Yeah. Well, Watain is going to be reissuing uh, their first four records in a box set uh, from a label that actually is doing it right. Season of Mist is is doing huge things. They just put out the new Hate Eternal record, and they're putting out this new Watain. Uh, it's called Satanic Death Wish, Death Noise from the Beyond, the first four albums, and it's going to be available October 16th, again, on Season of Mist. Fit for an Autopsy has a new song, new record. Uh, this record is called... Absolute Hope, Absolute Hell. It's coming out October 2nd. Uh, if you like it, check it out. I'm not going to play it right now. It's pretty pretty deathcore-ish. You can huh. check it out if you would like to. Goreguts is done working on their new record. Wow, this band's really, really awesome. And Luke LeMay is a very talented dude. Colored Sands was their last record, 2013. Uh, their whole new record is one song. Yeah, he said after listening to like Porcupine Tree, Mashuga's Eye record, uh, Death Spell Omega EPs, he wanted to do like a one song composition. Really, really long stuff. Maybe No Effects is the decline too. <laughs> that's your that's you the know, reference. He's a No Sleep. It's the decline. Yeah, what an insanely talented and creative person. I'm I'm always stoked when he puts out new stuff, man. Luke is f-ing badass. We mentioned this last week on Metal Shop, but uh, Gwar are coming back to Seattle on the 20th of October at the Showbox Soto, the same night as Ghost. So you're going to have to choose wisely, my friends. That is going to be a, quite the choice. I don't know, man. What are you going for? Because I was thinking about that, and I haven't seen Ghost in a long time, so I think I might go for Ghost. I might do Ghost. It's really uncomfortable sold out at El Corazon, but <sighs> we can make it work. Yeah. We'll make it work. I'm going to Guar, man. All right. I'll hold down the fort. All right. Cool. Uh, this last couple weeks has been kind of like uh, just bad news for Lemmy from Motorhead. That's what I'm seeing, man. Last week, we mentioned, or the, in our last podcast, we mentioned that he was having a hard time just walking around because his legs were, quote, <laughs> Well, he has diabetes, which affects your blood. Uh, uh, and he's just an old guy, you know? He just he's like he's having a hard time shuffling back and forth. We said that he would you know was forgetting the lyrics of the songs. Uh, the other day he had to he had to cut a, sh- a show short in Utah <clears throat> after four songs because he couldn't catch his breath. Ugh. He couldn't breathe. No, that's <laughs> literally. Not good. So there's some great quotes in this interview. <clears throat> Asked if he is afraid of death, Lemmy said, "No, nope, um, not afraid." See, uh, I don't do regrets, he said. Regrets are pointless. It's too late for regrets. You've already done it, haven't you? You've lived your life. No point wishing you could change it. Death is an inevitability, isn't it? You become more aware of that when you get to my age. I don't worry about it. I'm ready for it. When I go, I want to go doing what I do best. If I died tomorrow, I couldn't complain. It's been good. Lemmy wants to die on stage. 
That's intense. He said uh, he told uh, Classic no. Rock he didn't expect to live past 30. Doing what he does best, which is playing, pull tabs, drinking whiskey, and smoking cigarettes. He won't be on stage. He'll be at the bar. So after the Salt Lake City, Salt Lake <laughs> show, if you've ever been there, yeah, you would know. Uh, they canceled the show the next night in Denver. So they're scheduled to play another show on the 1st of September in August, or in Austin, Texas. So we'll hopefully... Uh, he can get through it. 2013, yep. he had a hematoma where it's like a it's like a majorly f***ed up bruise. Yeah. So basically his body was just like, ugh, bleeding on the inside. <laughs> That's a bummer. Good. Um, Iron Maiden has a video game you can play. It's an 8-bit video game based on the promotional clip for Speed of Light. Tight. It's cool. Um, yeah, it's, it is really cool. And you play as Eddie. Have you, have you tried it out yet? Did you give it a go? My computer's broken at my house, so no. no. We gotta check it out, man. It's not bad. It's it's, it's basically Donkey Kong. Seven. Oh wait, hold on. Sorry. Continue. It's like, uh basically Donkey Kong, but it's you know it's it's kind of fun, kind of cool. All right. Good time waster. Right. Lamb of God played painting the grass. They also played uh, Jimmy Kimmel a couple days after. This that. is their album. It's called Seven Sturm und Drang. Here with the song Five One Two Lamb of God. <laughs> Damn, that sounds good. Yeah. Should play that on Metal Shop. Jimmy Kimmel's headbanging. Yeah, I mean, like. When uh, when Conan was doing his thing for the for the longest time, he'd always have punk bands and metal bands and all kinds of stuff. But you never see that on like Jay Leno or David Letterman or stuff like that. So this is kind of cool to see. Anyway, their new record's out. Go check it out. It's cool. It's cool, man. Uh, one of the uh, reporting agencies said a Christian metal band playing uh, Jimmy Kimmel this week. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, Lamb of God. I don't know about that. <laughs> wow. Um, Immortal frontman Abath to release debut album in January. Of course, uh, we documented the Immortal split of Abath. He is now going to do uh, the, the the side project with his name, and it's going to be on Season of Mist, the label we were just speaking of, in January. So should be pretty interesting. And uh, it's also going to have... It'll probably sound cool. Yeah. Do, do we know who else is playing on it, or is he doing Tom, the whole thing? Tom uh, Visness, King of Hell... Mm. And, Gor- uh, sorry, he was the main composer for Gorgoroth Records and his own band of Hall, uh, Shagrath from Demi Borgir. Oh, cool! And, damn, yeah, that's a <clears throat> that's, that's a, cool a pretty all star lineup. Yeah, I'm, I'm really um, excited for that. D. Snyder from Twisted Sister proved again this week how far his veiny head is up his weird old white ass by uh, acknowledging a that he's not getting a ro- any. <laughs> Any royalties at all from one of the richest men on earth, Donald Trump, who's using We're Not Gonna Take It as his exit song when he's done speaking at events. Ugh. And not only is he not getting money, he's totally cool with it and says, quote, Donald Trump is a good friend and a great guy, and I support him turning the political system on its head. Where The song We're Not Gonna Take It is a song about rebellion, and there's nothing more rebellious than what Donald Trump is doing right now. And then he goes on to say, although Bernie Sanders can use it as well, he's turning things upside down, too. Hmm. 
So that's a strange caveat at the end of that statement, but D. Snyder. All right. D's nuts. That's like the that's the thing people are like, well, he says what is on his mind. He's doing what everyone should do. He's speaking out. It's like, well, he's saying really dumb things, and he actually doesn't have your best interest in I mind. I can't wait. Uh, I have it written on my calendar. Next week is the first Republican national debate on CNN. Mm. Mm. So it's not on Fox News this time, so that's, it might not be a bunch of softballs. And this week, Donald Trump got pissed and called out the media for what he— Donald Trump and uh, Palin, Sarah Palin. Yeah. They both got pissed for what they called, quote, gotcha questions when they asked Donald Trump what his favorite Bible verse was. Oh, yeah. And he couldn't recite one. And he was like, I love, you know, believe me, I love God. No, he was like, I love the Bible. I love the church. Look, we build churches. Building churches is harder than anything you do. Believe me. Look, it's personal to me. Okay, like, I don't feel like I need to justify it and tell you. I just, wall. It's a great book. I love the book. And, uh, you know, it's my it's my favorite book. So that's about it. Can you give Old me Testament specifics? Or, yeah. Excuse me. Excuse me. That's not what I'm trying to say right now. Old Testament or New Testament? Uh, I like them both equally, I'd say. You know, that guy, Adam, he had that thing in that apple. It's a good book. Donald Trump. All I'm saying is it's a good book. It's a good book. I like it. It says some nice things. People are blessed. <clears throat> And, you know, you could base your life on it or something. Ryan, did you see the Facebook post from Jesper Stromblad this week? You know, I was just uh, I was just reading through this. This It's a huge bummer, dude. Yeah, this is some scary shit, especially after what just happened with After the Burial. Apparently, Jesper Stromblad from In Flames, a.k.a. the guy who was writing the good riffs. A.k.a. the guy who wrote the songs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, has been struggling with depression and anxiety problems. Well, he is also a raging alcoholic. Everybody knew that, and it's it's the reason why he was asked to leave in flames. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, apparently he says that uh, he's on a pro in a program now that's helping him kind of. Wait, hold on. You skipped the most important part of what he admitted in his statement. Start from the beginning. Okay. Um. So here's. I'll just read the statement in its entirety. Uh, fans and friends, I decided it was time for me to write something about the current situation with me. As you noticed, I've been pretty inactive with the band and with updating my site, etc. And I want to explain a little why. I am battling with severe depression and anxiety problems, and I have done so for 20 years now. My problem, at least five, t- five out of ten times, has been to take the easy way out. I've been drinking and threw back whatever I got my hands on, just to numb my constant pain, both in my broken soul and body. I'm on a great program now that will take me back to the person I once was, and I'm very positive about it, so don't doubt that I will be back. You just throw up? Jesus Christ. Just about. Jesus. You just made me, you just made me <laughs> throw up all over the board. Oh, anyway, ba- that's, that's the gist of what he's... So he basically admitted that he had started drinking again. Mm-hmm. Because if you, I've been following him on Facebook for a long time, for years and years, mm-hmm. and he always he made a big deal out of like being super happy and like super positive all the time and talking about his band, The Resistance, which is awesome, way better than any of the new Inflame stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just sad to see him come out and say that you know he basically relapsed. Yep. So best of luck to him, man. And at least he knows. It sounds like though he's really smart. I'm I'm glad he's, he's pretty get- self aware. I'm glad he's getting the help that he needs. Right. You know, that's that's a big thing. Um, there's a, a YouTube channel, uh, or a, a, a called Digital Tour Bus, and they have a, a mini segment called Tour Pranks, <clears throat> which I just discovered because of the, uh, this this blabbermouth sure thing. 
This is the 89th episode, so this is one just like Metal Mad Libs. I need to go back and watch the rest of them. But here is um, Anthrax bass player Frank Bello and Joey Belladonna talking about pranking some of their crew members on the road. It's only about a minute now. You all got pranked. Everybody. Joey, Frankie from Anthrax here, talking about tour pranks along the way. Well, now it's too expensive to do for what we used to do. Uh, we used to do a lot of pranks on um, just crew members and stuff. Uh, what we would do is get, <laughs> we used to check into a hotel on a, on a night off, and we'd get their keys and just say, look, I've lost my key, and you go downstairs to the desk, get their key, and then you get buckets of water and powder and all of the above, <laughs> whatever makes a mess, and they're sleeping. And you know the obvious, what's going to happen. So you just douse them all with everything. We just, it was really bad. Then we get their, um, get their, um, the mattress up and just, they would, they would still be trying to sleep, but they're up against the wall like this because we just <laughs> pushed the bed all the way to the wall. It was the best time. But then you get the bill the next day. That's the problem. The, I remember, the I remember you did suck. it one night and I was down below. I heard, go, 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 laugh at all you guys. Because the, the security was chasing us. Because <laughs> you get thrown out, what happens is you get thrown out of hotels. Yeah, yeah. And then you have to, and the poor tour managers have to get you another hotel that night and within the hours and stuff like that. So if the security caught you, that means you have to get thrown out and then you got to get the bill right there. Instead of the next day, then you get the, the tour manager gets the bill and he says, you guys shouldn't have did this. Right then and there, then they talk about prosecution and all that. You don't want to go to jail for a, yeah. you know, a prank. But, uh, those were good days. We don't do that you anymore. Can't do it's it too anymore. And nobody wants to go through lawyer, legal fees. So, good times. I wonder how many times they did it. Hmm. <clears throat> I, I, the only crazy stuff we ever did, and it's not even that crazy, just saran wrapping people's bust clothes and mm. uh, spray painting over it. That sounds fun. Uh, let's see. Except for I did it once to a band that we all know, and they got like illogically butthurt about it when it took like five seconds for me to bust out my utility knife and just make one cut down it and pull it all off. Uh, the most f***ed up one that I remember is uh, Tim from As I Lay Dying talking about how that they would take fish and stick it up in other bands' AC units on their buses. Oh. So when they're driving around on one of those nice hot summer days, you know, they're like, where is that coming from? Ugh. Okay. I've never been much of a prank guy. If you're not a prank guy, are you an Ashley Madison guy? <laughs> Man, am I glad that I never even thought about doing that. So, if you don't know, Ashley Madison is like this website whose slogan is "Life is short, have an affair." Um, it's like <laughs> Tinder for cheaters, what uh, the but it's essentially for people that want to hide their tracks. They have this website called Ashley Madison, or they did until there was this huge f-ing, uh, hack. And all of the Ashley Madison accounts' names were sent out and revealed. All and the users. Of Avid Life Media is the company that owns Ashley Madison. And uh, someone, when they found out about the breach, security breach, they logged onto their computer and were greeted with a message from the hackers at Impact Team that the business systems had been compromised and also played the song Thunderstruck. Thunderstruck. So apparently they were huge fans of Thunderstruck. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you know what's funny about this leak is that, uh, I mean, there's, there's moments to laugh at it in terms of, like, the Josh Duggar who popped up on there, and I also read an article yesterday about how there's over 200 members of the clergy who are going to be re- uh, quitting or, like, retiring, <laughs> quote-unquote, next week because they were caught in the scandal, but the other thing that I was hearing, the, the other side of it, is that a lot of international users and, and people in countries like 
Saudi Arabia and uh, other places in the Middle East and, uh, you know, countries like that in general yeah. are facing death threats now. And, like, because some of the, you, you know, there's a death sentence on some of those Sharia countries. Like, if you're caught, um, you know, in a, an extramarital affair, they can kill you for it legally. And not only that, but any homosexuality that's involved, because a lot of the people that are on there that were gay and single, but it was just, a, a you know, a site that they would use to meet other gay people. Same deal. So a lot of people are, like, actually have their lives being threatened by this leak which all originated because the people from Ashley Madison uh, were telling people they were charging them a fee to delete their information off the website, quote, permanently, but it wasn't actually being deleted. So these hackers said, if you don't permanently delete their information, we're going to leak it, which is really backwards because they're like, you aren't providing them with privacy. So we're just going to leak all of their information out to the world. Like, hmm. it doesn't make any sense. Basically, it comes down to somebody was probably pissed that they were being <laughs> cheated on on Ashley Madison, and they just pissed off the wrong hacker. So 33 million accounts and two suicides already. Bummer. Remember that article we read a while back about how uh, metalheads are the least likely to cheat? Right. <clears throat> really stoked to be a metalhead right about now. <laughs> So, uh, in sad news, uh, Tony McAlpine has recently postponed his Asia and Australia tour dates uh, due to illness and cancer is suspected. Um, obviously, this is really, really awful, awful news, seeing as McAlpine is one of the you know, shining stars of the 80s shred masters. He's really kind of kept it going and kind of... And he's worked with so many people and yeah. like so many studio musician roles. You know, he's one of the few 80s shredders that's actually stayed current with what's going on in the music industry. His playing has evolved <laughs> as the genres evolved and he's always kind of... He's always come across as one of those players that's always experimenting with new sounds and new things. So, you know, it's uh, let's hope he, he starts doing better soon, that's man. That's a real bummer. Uh, yeah, good thoughts going out to him. Um, Iron Maiden has a new record coming out. Uh, the record's called The Book of Souls, and on their new record, they're going to be doing a whole new world tour again on a brand new airplane. They're, they have their own brand new own Iron Maiden airplane. This new one is a 747-400 jumbo jet, hmm. which is twice the size and over three times the weight of the 757 that they used to use. And Bruce Dickinson is still in training for his license to fly it. <laughs> Let's process that sentence for a minute. Right. He's still learning. <laughs> nice. Amidst fighting cancer, he's in the simulator learning how to fly his new airplane. It's called the Ed Force One. Sick. Uh, it takes the band, the crew, and 12 tons of equipment. <laughs> More than 55,000 miles around the planet. Got to see that documentary. Sick. 35 countries, dude. World Tour 2016 next That's year. so awesome. So hopefully they'll be here. They'll fly their f***ing airplane in here. In case you didn't feel cool enough when you were smoking weed, just know that Dave Draymond smokes weed too. Whoa. It's a thing. Great. Yeah, Dave Draymond from Disturbed is a pot smoker. He says that it has helped him open the doors of creativity in his mind. They have a new <laughs> song on the on the new uh, Disturbed record called Fire It Up. It has a song of a bong rip, sound of a song, bong rip in the beginning. What? And he says, lighten up, lighten the f*** up. Not everything needs to be gloom and doom and serious and smacking you constantly. Um, uh, I'm not making a political statement. I'm talking about something that simply has been the catalyst for my creativity and for me being able to relax enough to let the doors open a little bit for the vast majority of my career. Hey, Dave, shut those doors. 
I've never thought that I would say like there was there would be something that would make me want to not smoke weed anymore. <laughs> it's just Jumbo. finally. <laughs> 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 Oh, I hate you guys. Wait, would you spark wow. a J with that guy, man? Like, he wait. wouldn't. We, he wouldn't even be off the tour bus. No, so he wouldn't be around. As long as it's not Kobe Dick, Jacoby <clears throat> Shaddix, you know you'll get that hurt. If I, if oh, if it was his weed, I'd do it. He's not smoking my weed. I'll tell you that much. I'm not never, never. five cents of my weed on that guy. Hey man, I really need to smoke some weed before I play. I don't give a. F- trying to get creative. Uh, 25 years ago this week was the uh, event that kind of set a precedent for metal and artistic freedoms. Uh, Heavy metal legends Judas Priest were sued for the deaths. For They were basically trying to hold them liable for the deaths of two young guys from Reno, 18 and 20 years old, who shot themselves with a shotgun because they allegedly heard the subliminal commands of do it, do it in the song Better By You. Better Than Me, which ironically is a f***ing cover that Judas Priest did. Anyway, so they, they, were, they went on to find them after a multi-week long trial to be non-liable for it. And this was like a weird time in music where people were alleging that metal bands were hiding these weird, like play the record backwards and it says blah, blah, blah. So it was right around that time that they started to fly in the face of it, like Slayer. Yep. Hell awaits, you know. Dude. So it was just a weird time. Imagine if it had gone the other way. They're like, heavy metal's banned. Yeah, it's not allowed. So what I want to do is at the end of this podcast, let's play the VH1 behind the music, uh, about 10 minutes long, of the press coverage of the Judas Priest trial. Sounds good to me. Very cool. Do do it at the end. Perfect. All right, it's about time to... uh, Calm things down here on our Backstage Pass podcast and enter the brutal poetry Too Hot for Radio Lounge where we take this opportunity to just intentionally say some f***ed up shit. Very f***ed up. Uh, this week, Kevin is visiting the Gore f- Library. <laughs> Off their 2004 record, Lust for Torture, here's Gore f- with the song, Gore F***ed. Carving penis, bursting foreskin, <laughs> consuming the downy pube bursting. down in the polluting irritant's colony. I love to watch those insects suck blood from that spongy tissue. I love to bite your putrid genitals. To taste rotten, morbid perversion Sadistic sense of beauty, soaked in muriatic acid. I love to watch it change its color. I love to lick the boiling skin. I love to smell the reek of acidification, rotten, morbid perversion, sadistic coitus compulsion, genital pulse during the torture. Pulse it. Excretion, exhale, stench of decomposure. <sighs> Rotten, morbid perversion, sadistic, coitus, compulsion. Jesus, man. Well, I'm a sick fucker. <laughs> <laughs> 
What was it earlier? You were like, hey, we need to take some of those quotes you said and isolate them. All of that. <laughs> I'm a sick f***er. I am a sick f***er. I want that for my ringtone every time Kevin calls e well, me. <laughs> it was better than what Ian said. Ian said, you better tell your girlfriend to s*** your d*** in front of all your friends. <laughs> said See, that to a listener. Out of context doesn't make any sense. <laughs> But it totally made sense makes in the me, conversation. Makes me sound like a maniac. <laughs> sketchy Ian strikes again. You better do that <laughs> Alright, uh. well, if you're here and you've been here this long, hopefully you get a good chuckle out of our podcast. We're gonna play that VH1 goodness slash badness about Judas Priest getting off. What? <laughs> hey man, they got off. They got off all the charges. Oh, oh there it is. they were cleared there. of all charges. <laughs> anyway, here's VH1 25th anniversary of Judas Priest being sued for being the devil. Thanks for listening the devil! to Backstage Pass episode number 66, and we'll see you again next week. See you later, Tim. See you later, bro. Rock and roll has a long history of being blamed for what's wrong with society. And we're not just talking about punk haircuts and bad habits. In some cases, there are those who claim its influence is as significant as life and death. We'll start with the suicide pact that two families believe was inspired by a popular heavy metal band. Raymond Belknap took this shotgun, placed it under his chin, and pulled the trigger. It was a battle that Judas Priest had to fight. The masters of 80s metal accused of inspiring violence and death with their music. It started here in Reno, Nevada, two days before Christmas 1985. Two young men, 18-year-old Ray Belknap and his 20-year-old friend James Vance, were listening to the Judas Priest album, Stained Class. They put the record on and started listening to it over and over. They smoked some pot, they drank beer. Ray's sister described their behavior as getting kind of radical and nasty and violent. Ken McKenna is the attorney for the boys' families. They escaped out the bedroom window with a shotgun and went down to the churchyard nearby to the back park where the merry-go-round was. Ray put the gun under his chin, and his last words were, I sure uh, effed up my life. He blew the shotgun into his head and died instantly. Then it was James' turn. He picked up the gun and pulled the trigger. James survived, but was severely disfigured. Four months after the suicide pact, he wrote this letter. I believe that alcohol and heavy metal music such as Judas Priest led us or even mesmerized us into believing the answer to life was death. James sent the letter to his dead friend's mother, who then brought it to McKenna. That was the smoking gun that pointed at the music from the mouth of the man who had put a gun to his head. It didn't sound right. It didn't feel right. It seemed like there should be responsibility for putting in that kernel of encouragement uh, to kill yourself. McKenna and the boys' families focused on the lyrics of one song, Better By You, Better Than Me. 
Isn't it ironic that of all the hundreds and hundreds of songs that Judas Priest wrote, they pick a song that we didn't write? It was written by this band called Spooky Tooth from the 70s. Rob Halford was the lead singer of Judas Priest. And the reason we recorded that song was because we wanted to try and get into the radio world. It's in essence a ballad that says, I've been bad. You could find a way to ease my passion. I've done bad things. You listen to the blood flow in my veins. And mother, I have hurt you by being a bad boy. You hear the teaching of the wind. Tell her why I'm alive within. I can't find the words. My mind is dead. So if I kill myself, I will rid you of your pain. It's better by you, better than me. And that will be a good thing. I don't know what the guy was trying to say. I think it's about some bust up with his girlfriend. That's in its simplest way how I view that song. On August 18, 1986, Judas Priest was served with a lawsuit. I remember that the first feeling was just total shock and amazement. We all felt very, very angry because it went against everything that this band and, and every band in rock and roll stands for. We write music for people to have a good time with, not kill themselves. Jerry Whitehead was the judge in the case. The plaintiff had filed an action in fact charging the band because of the lyrics, because of the beat of the music. We thought, oh, this will get thrown out because of that First Amendment issue. Judge Whitehead was about to dismiss the case based on the First Amendment when McKenna showed up with a new plan. I stopped the discussion about First Amendment and said, we have a whole new ball game. We are suing because they have subliminals in the music. Subliminals caused them to take the acts they did. This area of subliminal messages came up and we go, if this is subliminal, I want to hear it, you know, because I knew a little bit what a subliminal message was, but it, I had absolutely no interest in it other than, oh yeah, isn't, isn't that that thing that they put a, a flash of a popcorn thing in a, in a movie theatre and they'd make it, oh, I need some popcorn. But Judge Whitehead found the subliminal message allegations credible enough to grant a trial. We wanted to prove the subliminals were there. We wanted to prove that the boys heard them, that they had an effect on them. It's just insane to perceive that someone would make an accusation, an allegation, that anyone would deliberately put something in the, in the music that would manifest itself in someone taking their lives. Almost five years after the suicide pact, Judas Priest showed up in Reno to defend their music. There were hundreds of fans out there holding the flag, placards and so on and so forth. There was a tremendous amount of support and that really geared us up, you know. No subliminal messages at all? None at all. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Please be seated. I got to speak first, so I really wanted to clearly establish what we were there for. Raymond Belknap took this shotgun placed it under his chin and pulled the trigger, ending his young life of 18 years. I just deflated. I thought, oh no, you know, it's starting here. Can't we just get straight to the point? Thereafter, his best friend, James Vance, picked up the same gun, now greasy and slippery with raised blood, and he placed it under his chin. Our soul thing was we, we have to protect ourselves, we have to protect our music. Is that the letter uh, and photograph you received from James Vance? Yes. This is what James said made him do it. I had to believe him. He was still here to talk to me. Why do you think Raymond committed suicide that day? I think he was affected by the music he was listening to. The plaintiffs alleged that Judas Priest planted a subliminal message, do it. 
McKenna claimed there were seven do-its in Better By You, Better Than Me. I was into the trial a couple of days when we had a mini sound studio set up on the floor of the courtroom. I was very nervous because if the judge didn't hear the subliminals, he could dismiss the case. There was a moment, I'll never forget, where they were making this point and then suddenly I could see that the judge had sensed that, oh yeah, I can hear this word, do it. I did listen to the tape in courtroom before and after a number of times and I did hear the suggested do it. Now we've got to go on another mile. I just thought that, that that had been implanted subliminally on the on the record. Do it? What, what's do it? In their mind, do it is kill yourself. Do it is kill yourself. I mean, if you can hear, go and kill yourself in a record, okay, you've got some contention for discussion. Two weeks into the trial, Rob Halford took the stand. Are there subliminal do-its on the Better By You, Better Than Me song? Absolutely not. Would you sing those two lines as you sang them? Yeah, would you sing them now? Yes. Can you sing? <laughs> <clears throat> better by you, better than me. You can say what I can see. It was a great attempt live uh, to say it was just breathing. Very dramatic. It wasn't do it, it was a combination of an, expo an exhalation of air when I sing, when I perform, and a strange little guitar quirky noise. After four weeks of testimony, the case was now in the hands of Judge Whitehead. Now, life was on the line in some respect. You try to be as objective as you can, you understand the risk, you understand, you know, that it's out of your hands. We did the best we could, we, you know, we defended ourselves, we did all the right things. I felt very confident that we were actually going to get everything in a judgment against him. On August 24th, 1990, Judge Whitehead handed down the verdict. Additional testimony came in to show that the do-it was a combination of sounds from two tracks and not from one. I think it was, in fact, a chance combination of sounds that, that made the word. I changed my mind. First of all, I was relieved that he hadn't found for the prosecution. I didn't want to lose. But I was disappointed in the statement that he, that he released. I felt responsibility needed to be there. But yeah, he'd heard these noises, but that he hadn't 100% exonerated the band Judas Priest. The way you make people responsible is by winning. So it was a big disappointment not to get the final win. He'd left a little bit of a door open for this to potentially happen again. And that's kind of a scary thought. James Vance, the young man who survived the suicide pact, died a year before the trial, reportedly from complications with his prescription drugs and his injuries. This has been Metal Shop's Backstage Pass. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.